This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Of course, the playoffs are in full swing for the NHL, the NBA. Of course, the local squad still involved in the NBA when the NHL, and as we just discussed a couple minutes ago, uh, not so much. But that doesn't mean we're not going to pay close attention to the playoffs this weekend. And, and joining us to talk about it, our next guest, of course, the president of Mile High Sports, and you may know him on television as the host of You Bet Tonight at Altitude TV. And uh, I'm delighted to be joined by Nate Lundy, making it a couple doors down from your office from the uh, day-to-day tasks of keeping this place afloat. that you have interrupted. <laughs> so I am waiting on the third leg of an all-underdog MLB parlay to hit this afternoon. The game should be A lot be of over. afternoon games. A lot right of afternoon games. Always a Thursday. Always get great afternoon games on a Thursday. But I – so – I, I can't my point is I can't guarantee how much attention I'm going to give you because <laughs> I need the I need the damn White Sox to finish this off. You, you mean had, you're you're had, counting on the Chicago had, White yes, Sox but Sandy, to but lose? Sandy, here's I hope why. to lose. No, to win. Uh-oh. Here's why. Here's why. Sandy, Sandy. <laughs> That's it was I mean. the bottom. It was, well, I told you it was all. Under, hey, first of all, I told you it was all underdogs. Okay, the first two legs have already hit. I'm just waiting on the White Sox. Um, I had Detroit over the Mets, and I had the Angels, who absolutely clobbered. St. Louis. Um, uh-huh. Sandy, it was the bottom of the 10th. Yeah. Runners on second and third with one out. And the White Sox struck out, struck out. Now we're in the 11th. You're kidding. <laughs> All oh, they I needed mean, was the well, runner to score was, from third yeah, with less than two yeah, out. They did an intentional walk. That's your White Sox yeah, of They did an intentional walk. So the bases are loaded. They're hoping oh, for a double play ground ball, right? They're hoping for a double play ground ball. And then it goes, uh, it goes, uh, strike out, strike out, boom. So right. I'm still waiting. I, I probably should have cashed out. You know, the, the funny part is I, I can to. tell you that, that that odds I actually know. If you were a runner at third with fewer than two outs, your odds on scoring is 78%. Yeah, leave it to the White Sox to do the other 20. Almost a million things can go right. I mean, anything. So anyway, I, I digress, so but you completely and, took uh, me away hey, from staring the drama. At, at the drama <laughs> of, my plus, away. of my plus yeah. 1,100 parlay here. By the way, underdogs, uh, next time you're going to have to take St. Louis, who is now behind the Rockies as the worst hey, team right. in the NL. 10 and 22. There's, you know, you 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 talked about they some They may the, be losing momentarily. I mean, you know, yeah, you're we, talking about it. It's, oh, wow. We've the Rockies could be winning. We've talked so about it off air a couple of times, guys. I like the... Um, here early in the baseball season, there's been a lot. Um, if you're paying attention, there's a lot you can bet on. There's a lot of, I mean, obviously there's a lot you can bet on, but there's a lot of trends that you can pay attention to. Um, and one of the things within baseball that the Rockies have not really been taking advantage of, to be honest with you, um, some other teams haven't either, but there have been some that have is the number of stolen bases that are taking place in the MLB right now is through the roof compared to past seasons. Um, the pitch clock has to do with it. The enlarged bases have to do with it. I mean, as simple as it the, sounds. The fewer pickoff opportunities. Absolutely. Right? And you have, um, you know, people don't realize, you think about the, you know, the 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 distance from, from first to second, second to third, right? The enlarged bases, as stupid as it is, mm-hmm. that couple of inches, think of how many times they're over it the years. It cuts down a tenth of a second. There's a bang-bang play. Oh, you're exactly right. And some players are complaining about it. Oh, and sure. saying, well, why didn't 90 feet seem sufficient when it worked for over 100 right. years? And, now, and, and infielders particularly mm-hmm. are saying, 
hey, that makes a real difference. People might not think so, but it does. Because so you, as great as Yogi Berra was, no one was time worrying about his pop time. Right. That's why. Well, and you can find <laughs> to worry about and there's, that stuff. there's tons of places you can find all these statistics, but you know, one of the, it's one of the things you use when you're doing sports betting. But there's a lot right now of um, teams that have multiple, and I mean a half a dozen consistent starters who already have at least three stolen bases, if not more. Wow. Um, and yeah. so it's one of the things to, to pay attention to. And the, and the books have caught up to it, by the way. The sports books have yeah. caught up there. Yeah. Um, the, the, the joke that I had with our good friend Brad Evans was um, back in the first week of the season, you could get uh, Cedric Mullins of the uh, Baltimore Orioles yeah. at about plus 450 to, for a stolen base. That number now is about plus 220. It's been cut by more than half. And it's still good odds, but what you're starting to see right now is odds that resemble what it's like when you're trying to bet on home runs. And so you're seeing a, you're seeing a Cedric Mullins, you're seeing a, a Starling Marte, you're seeing guys yeah. like that that have yeah. the speed, and teams are setting them loose, especially if they've started to figure out tendencies of pitchers, pitchers in their divisions, pitchers they know they're going to see a lot. So it's just it's a fascinating thing, and I know we were going to talk playoffs. No, but, but you're, you're it, right. Like what's happening in baseball betting right now, I'm not the world's biggest baseball fan. Sean knows this about me. Right. Um, I, I, so I, I haven't you, you're not a crazy betting person when it comes to baseball. But this year I have realized, okay, wait a minute, let me start to play around. There's an something. edge to be had, though. There, there is if you're willing to be patient. And I say that because, um, you know, for example, I joked about this underdog parlay that I did today. Part of it was because I was bored this morning waiting in a doctor's office for an appointment. Well, but- so you know, by the way, that the White Sox did stop the Twins. It's still 2-2 in the bottom Woo, of the 11th. So baby. You're, you're Come on, parlay. Um, <laughs> there's, also, there's, there's a lot of tendencies that are out there. And I think the other thing that I find fascinating about it, Sandy, is um, because of how baseball is structured, you have the ability to look at someone, um, uh, Bo Bichette, for example, of, yeah. the, of the Blue Jays. Right. Um, because so much of what happens in baseball is the law of averages, right? So you take someone like Bo Bichette and you look at and you go, okay, wait a minute. He is, let's say I'm making this stuff up, right? But let's say he's, gosh, he's only, he's one for eight with two walks over the course of his last, you know, 10 at-bats. Right. Well, you're not going to keep somebody like Bo Bichette from, at the very least, cranking a double, let alone sending one over the wall for very long. So if you're patient, even if you have a couple of bad days on a particular player or somebody that hits for power or a pitcher that does strikeouts and maybe they had a bad outing, it's one of those, like, pay attention to the average. And that means at times you may have to throw out the same one a couple of days in a row because eventually it may pan itself sure. out. But. Or you may find yourself, Sean, sort of like the way people ride the stock market, right? Like, okay, well, man, this stock went down for a few weeks, but hey, this is a good company. I believe in it. Like, And then all of a sudden, a few weeks later, your stock's back up. That is what your betting account is probably going to look like from time to time. You talked about steals, too, just as an aside before we get into the NBA side. The Rockies have six, three steals on the season are from rookie Brenton Doyle, who was called yes. up like 10 days ago. Yes. Uh, the major league leader is Pittsburgh. Yes. With 44. Well, it's not only that. It's like, you know who's out there stealing bases? Old man McCutcheon. Sure. Andrew he, McCutcheon Because he is knows how to stealing. read pitchers. Yes. He's seen every pitcher's moves. It's it's wild. And you can only pick off twice in a, in a bat now. So, so when you, it, it is... I believe, and you look at the season that the Steelers, the, I just about said Steelers, that yeah, the, that the, the Pirates color. are having so far. I down. think some of it can be attributed to the fact that they are playing aggressively. Yes. 
They are taking advantage of the rules. And so Baltimore has done it. Pittsburgh has done it. Yep. The Mets have done it. Cleveland yep. has done it. Cleveland has Cleveland's done it. Cleveland's done it. Yep. Um, and I think that more and more, the other thing that I've noticed happening, I don't want to say a lot, but I feel like I'm seeing it, and maybe it's because I'm paying attention, are double steals. Which First are, and uh, second. Which is some of the most fun things to watch in I baseball. I think so. It's so much fun. Yeah, it's but All great. of a sudden, it's second and third. Yep, and um, your percentages go so way up yeah. again. You brought up the playoffs, though, uh, and I will say from a hockey standpoint, even with the abs being done, there's a lot you can pay attention to from, from, um, from basketball or from hockey. Basketball... Man, the odds makers are good when it comes to the NBA. The NBA, their algorithms is are so good, highly predictable. That's that's where I've I've basically been the best over the years is mm-hmm. in basketball because I think the NBA in general is a pretty predictable sport, uh, especially when you're looking at particular player performances. And and that's where I think it gets really tricky. Now you can't assume that a Joel Embiid is going to come back and score 15 points for the most part, unless of course you had an opportunity to look at the. Unless you saw his knee brace. Terminator yeah. leg that he yeah. walked out there with. But, <laughs> uh, that. you know, if that's that's the trade-off. But, yeah, hockey's intriguing because, I mean, boy, it used to be in, even in hockey playoff games, right, a 3-2 to two game, you're like, whew, high scoring. Uh, last night alone there were six in one game and yeah. ten in the other. Well, here's my my favorite um, my favorite from last night was. Well, the Kraken had four in the first period. I actually, <laughs> I actually, uh, I, I, I tweeted this last night. Um, the game was. Three to two, at the time, and I pulled out my trusty betting app, and the over under in the game was set at seven and a half. Right, live line was seven and a half, and the over was plus odds. And I sat there, and I actually did a double take. Like what? And yeah. I went really. Uh, hello, I'm with you, Nate. And I slammed a bet on that mm-hmm. one as quickly as I could. And part of the reason that I found it fascinating, and this is where folks, if you and pay, there were no pay, goals in the second period of that game, pay, by the way. Yeah, but pay attention to these things because and they, they still sail past. The reason why I did that bet is because if you were paying attention before they went to break, the penalty was called on Vegas. Edmonton was going to start the third period on the power play. Right. One of the best teams in the league on the power play and one of the best offensive teams in the entire league is going to start on a man advantage. And so I I sat there again in my head, in my head, I was saying to myself, it's three to two. It's plus odds at over seven and a half. And Edmonton is more likely than not to at least tie this in the first two minutes of the next period, right. that's going to put it at six, which is going to guarantee somebody seven. has to eventually yes, win. Right. Right. Somebody so has I was to like, win. Yeah. You're giving me plus odds on a coin toss for there to be wow. one more goal. That's shocking. That, that, that Those really are is. the things. So you talk about hockey. It's, I know not everybody has the time to be able to do it. Sean, you referenced the, the, the you bet tonight TV show, mm-hmm. the podcast that I do with Brad Evans called the fade five. I'm studying this stuff a lot more than the average person, and I understand that. But, folks, if you're watching a game and you are inclined to bet, and I don't care if you bet $0.10 cents or $10, have your app available when you're watching right? and trust what you're seeing. Great advice. If you yeah. are seeing something, if you're saying to yourself, these guys didn't score in the second period. Right, but you knew the game would not end three to two. Exactly. It's the same sort of thing. And this doesn't always take place, but you know what else I watch for? If I'm watching a hockey game has, let's say a team's scoreless or a team's only got one goal. Have they hit the post three times? Right. Are they, are they getting a bunch of shots? Are off? they actually getting all the up? Op- 
trust your eyes, mm-hmm. which is why I think live betting is one of the next avenues that's going to happen. And I think we're seeing that within the playoffs is because people are finding, well, wait a minute, I'm watching this anyway. I'm not entirely stupid. So let me kind of follow along and let me let me decide. And, and this is what I'd recommend to everybody to do. Say to yourself, I'm going to give myself a $10 budget right. during this game. You're watching sure. TV. It's like you're going to get a beer at the stadium. At the stadium. It's the, the same time. price. Yes. Just go for it. Right. I'm going to bet 50 cents or a dollar at a time as I go through the game. And if I happen to blow through my 10 bucks, well, okay, I'm done. Or whatever your whatever your budget is, um, and experience some of the live betting things. I think you'll find it fascinating. And it's fun. Let's not it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Something <laughs> that may or may not be germane here, but I'm sure it's never happened before. It may happen again, but it probably won't. Back to back nights, Pavelski scores four goals for Dallas. Dallas loses the game. Yep. Dreisaitl scores four goals for Edmonton. Edmonton loses the game. Yeah. One of the strangest things that I've seen, but to play off of that and to tie it back to our betting conversation, this comes back to what I was saying before about trust your eyes. Um, in, in the playoffs, both basketball and hockey, good players rise. Right? We want to talk about playoff Jamal around here. Right. Guess what, folks? There is such a thing as playoff LeBron. He's still there. I understand that he's older than dirt, but he's still there, okay? And, and he's so, also going to get more opportunities because teams feed their stars. They feed right. their stars. And it's also, it's not time for load maintenance, right? No, so he's when they opened plus up, minutes. When they opened up the series and LeBron is at over under nine and a half rebounds, I was like, <laughs> oh, for crying he's out gonna loud. He's going to get 40 minutes. Yeah. He's going to get 40 minutes. Yeah. Because they get 10 rebounds just by standing there. If their numbers are based on the idea that he's going to do 31 or 32 minutes, because that's what the end of the regular season looked like. Yeah. Their algorithm yeah. is off. Right. Same thing with what right. you just talked about with hockey. Trust your stars. Oh. Am I surprised that Leon Dreisaitl scored four? No, not at all. No. Second leading scorer in the game? Nope. No, he's, it's, <laughs> shouldn't be. I mean, first of all, he's a the top trem- guy's feeding him. He's my second favorite NHL player that wears number 29, first of all. Right. Um, but, like, trust your eyes, right? Like, this is yeah. just what's going to happen. He's on the same line with Connor McDavid for Kyle. Exactly. So, <laughs> exactly. you can find, and you can, it takes you two seconds on Google to find the current point streaks in the NHL. You can find them. Right. It pops up sure. all the time. Evan Bouchard. You start seeing all these yeah. guys that are on there, yeah. right? Easy enough. In the playoffs, I think that can get amplified. And sometimes it's hard to predict what goals are going to happen. I mean, am I surprised Dreisaitl scored? Would I be surprised that he scored two? No. Hat trick? Mm-hmm. Quad? Okay, you're yeah, not, I'm a little bit surprised just because I would have thought that eventually But Connor if some would get of them there. are on the power play, sure. sure, four goals well within reason. So I think that you'll, you'll you'll pay the price when it comes to what some of the odds are at. You may be paying um, the price of things that are, you know, at a minus 120, minus 125, um, you know, kind of rate as yeah. opposed to being excited about having a plus 200 uh, in your favor, <laughs> right? But, you know, I, t- I, I, I used to say this all the time on the TV show, and I, and I still do a lot of times. Folks, if, if if the minus odds are big, they're that way for a reason. It's because they expect it to happen. So try to um, divert your attention to something else if you want to. Or here's a shocking one to come from a guy that does a sports betting show um, and podcast. Uh, don't bet. Right. If you don't mm-hmm. like it, don't bet. 
Just right. watch the game and have just fun. Just watch. I do a uh, now, now. Would you do that with, for example? And I know you touched on James with Lakers Golden State tonight. Well, how would you handle that? Would you avoid it? Would you so lean into I, it? I, I in some I think way? what I would wind up doing. So, for example, in Game One, I took the Lakers plus the points. I had a feeling that at the very Excellent. least it would be a close game. Sure, and sure. I took the Lakers plus the points. I know right now everyone is playing the narrative of, well, there's no way they're going to lose two in a row at home, right, when you talk about Golden State. Right. Well, are you sure? Because if what you're doing is you're simply falling into a sports talk narrative, that's not a good way to bet because now you're just falling into a narrative. So what I tend to do, Sandy, in games like that is I will step away from a spread, I will step away from the total, I will step away from the money line, and I will focus more heavily on player props and where I think okay. the game script is right. going to go. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I'll start yeah. to say, yeah. wait a minute, I think – so um, I think uh, – um, uh, and, and I know, Sean, you've got uh, probably Superbook up in front of you, but – I do. Um, I think Draymond's assist tonight is probably, I'm going to say it's at seven and a half. I haven't looked. That's my guess. If we were to pull up Draymond's player prop on his assist, it's probably at seven and a half. That sounds Maybe at six right. and a half. I would probably lean towards the over in that because I think this is, if you think about where the game script might take you, it probably is going to take you into a position where they need Draymond to be involved, yep. not because they need him to score, Oh, but no, because they need him to be a facilitator because yep. what yep. he has going for him, aside from uh, the ability to argue about anything with anyone, is um, he's disruptive offensively because of how he dishes the ball. And Nate, exactly right. Seven and a half. <laughs> plus 105 on the over, the under minus one. See, I would tell you that because it's plus odds, I would, I would, I would probably say I, would I could it. argue the idea yeah. of him getting eight at plus odds. And sure. I, would, I wouldn't make it a big bet, but that's probably one that I would go to look at. And then the other play that I do, Sandy, when we're, when we're concerned about lines or, or, or spreads or such and we're trying to go in another direction, um, is I, I create one-game parlays. Um, I create same-game parlays. I love one-game parlays. Um, I create them, and I tell everybody be. <laughs> Be very simple. Don't try to aim mm-hmm. for the fences. Okay, don't be me with this stupid parlay with the White Sox. Um, Into the 12th, by the way. Lovely. <laughs> um, that's such a pain in the ass. Um, here's So here's what I tell folks to do. Take a same-game parlay, and so we'll use Draymond as an example. Well, yeah. within your same-game parlay, it's probably an option for you to take Dray for five or more. Now I've brought that number down by three. And I'll take... I'll take that, and I'll take, okay, give me LeBron for for eight or more rebounds. And what I do oh. is I go grab, usually usually it takes three, sometimes it takes a fourth. I go grab those, and I put them together within my favorite app, uh, whatever your app is. I've got them all on my phone. Um, and I do it until I get to plus odds, and then I stop. And I go, okay, now I'm happy. I don't need it to be plus 300. It can be plus 110. That's fine. Our uh, Brad refers to it as bankroll building. Right. Sometimes you actually don't need home runs. Sometimes what you need is to string a whole bunch of singles together. Sure. Um, and that is the best way to go, especially if you have had some bad days in a row. Like, I had an awful week of betting last week. Oh, my gosh, it was bad. I could not. They could put the ball on the tee for me, and I would whiff. That was what was happening to me last week with a lot of my picks. And... What I did coming out of it was I said, okay, let me just aim for little stuff here. Let me just put together a couple. And so it was like, whoop, got a little bit here, got a little bit here. Play it that way, folks. Don't don't go on tilt. 
Don't go on tilt. We all know we all have a friend who goes on tilt. Whether it's sports betting, whether it's playing poker, whatever it is, don't just don't be that person. Be smart about it. And like I said, if you're watching these playoff games and you don't have a good feeling, you don't have to yeah, bet. Don't, don't bet it. You don't that's have to a, bet. That's the best advice. Uh, white socks are going to white socks, by the way. They probably uh, are. I figured it was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, three to two twins on a error by shortstop Tim Anderson who chucked it into the dugout allowing the guy at second <laughs> nice. to score. So three two Minnesota. Nice. And they're still up. And that's they're a, still up, and there are no outs in yeah, it's first and right. second. So, right. uh, right. as they also say uh, at, at times, uh, my brother who went to UNLV for hotel and casino management said that one of the things that he always learned was they said that uh, spreads build bankrolls, parlays build books. Build books, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, spreads build the bankroll, the, the parlays, parlays are what build the hotels, yeah. uh, without, so, without a doubt. True. So, yeah, I mean, I, Betting on the playoffs has been a lot of fun. Um, it is a way – like, I'm a hockey fan no matter what. I mean, obviously, it's bumming, it, it, It's a bummer that the abs are done. But um, at the same time, I'm a hockey fan no matter what. So I enjoyed that game last night. Oh. Um, it's why I was live betting it. Um, you know, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed what I've seen out of Toronto. Um, you know, I, I'm a Ryan O'Reilly fan. I like seeing Ryan have success north of the border. So it, in general, it's been fun. And if I can find ways to wrinkle in a bet here or two, I do. But if not, I'm still having a good time. That's Nate Lundy. You can follow him on Twitter at Nate Lundy. Of course, uh, the president of Mile High Sports, but also yeah, that's on that's kind of on you though. <laughs> Let's be fair. But <laughs> coming on and tell us a little bit more about the betting scene across sports right now. And uh, I want to remind you, of course, baseball is back. The push for postseason on for hockey noops. So make it all count this spring with our friends at Superbook Sports. Superbook Sports is the best wagering app around with a direct line to experienced bookmakers behind the counter in Las Vegas. Plus, you get a $250 bonus when you sign up, deposit, and wager in the same day. And why wouldn't you do that? So get yourself some free money. Don't let spring pass you by without winning money with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem, 1-800-522-4700. Nate, thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely, guys. Happy to do it. Enjoy uh, the show every day. And, uh, uh, you know, may- maybe the White Sox will. But no, they won't. No, they won't. <laughs> well, they Jerks. can only make so many errors when they're at bat. So there's a chance for that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we'll be back with more next on my list sports Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Weird little aside, musically, as Danny plays this this song by Chicago. Uh, well, of course, not only is the, uh, the song definitely about uh, illicit usage of certain substances, yeah. but also... But it's 1970s stuff. Yeah, one of the very first songs in which... Then backup singer Peter Cetera yeah. sang the lead. Then, of course, took over the lead the of Chicago after Cetera. the original uh, singer accidentally committed suicide yeah. while cleaning a firearm. So that's a downer there. But historically, a pretty significant uh, note for Chicago because Cetera, of course, then led Chicago to right. heights at which it had not yet been. Their, their biggest album ever was Chicago 17. <laughs> you know, when you have your biggest hit with your 17th album, you've been doing it, uh, been doing it a while. But the 
the flashback there is interesting because you picked the song there from the uh, from the seventies. Yeah, and all of a sudden in the NBA, everything that's old is new again. Yeah, and sometimes enough time passes that people think that it actually is new. Not so fast. You have some pretty interesting historical perspective on the offense, specifically being played by the Boston Celtics. Well, specifically being played by the Boston Celtics, and uh, uh, there's a long feature uh, uh, in the Athletic the other day about how the Celtics have uh, transformed themselves offensively in the last year and a half. Remember the Marcus Smart quote early in the 21-22 season that the problem with Tatum and Brown is they never passed and it was killing the offense. Well, uh, Tatum and Brown began to work together uh, with members of the coaching staff and they figured out a new way of playing which is actually a very old way of playing, uh, a way of playing with which Denver basketball fans are intimately familiar because they saw it for a decade. And San Antonio fans, going back to the 70s, will remember this offense because the coach who developed it and perfected it um, was the head coach of the San Antonio Spurs uh, during a time in which the San Antonio Spurs were as good a team as there was in the NBA and for reasons uh, beyond their control were denied an opportunity to play for a title uh, with people like George Gervin and Larry Keenan, who certainly were championship-level basketball players. And, and let me set the scene for you when we're talking about this because if you look at the assist rankings in the regular season this year, Marcus Smart led the Celtics with 6.3 per game. Right. That's 24th in the league. So it's not necessarily a, a particularly high number for a guy that's your league leader in or team leader in assists. But over the course of the season, Jason Tatum went up to 4.6. Yeah. Uh, Derek White, of course, you know all Derek White, multiple local product here. 3. Great 9. pickup by Boston. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, 3.7. Yeah. And then Jalen Brown at 3.5. So so not a, a lot of assists when you look at any individual person, but that's by design. It is by design. And I'll leave it to Marcus Smart to explain. And his fabulous haircut, mind What you. the Celtics are doing, uh, with or without the green hair. Here's what he said about the Boston offense. If you're moving around and you create randomness, they don't know, talking about the opposition, what's going on because the Celtics don't even know where they're going, hence the term randomness. How can we guard that, he imagines the opposition saying, makes it harder to scout when you can go out there and say we're going to pass screen and cut and not run any plays, what kind of offense fits that description? Sounds, Doug yeah. Moe and Dean Smith's passing game. Mm-hmm. What what a lot of Nuggets fans, including myself, grew up with in the 1980s, watching the Nuggets run circles around teams all over in the Old McNichols Arena? Pass, screen, and cut. It is unguardable. Hubie Brown used to tell me back in the 80s when he was coaching the Knicks that 
within any offense, there's certain patterns. But it was still, when the Nuggets were right and healthy, almost an impossible offense to defend because of its randomness. Sure, you knew that Alex English had certain favorite spots on the floor, but there were a fair number of favorite spots for Alex. And whether it was Kiki Vandeweghe and Dan Issel or Calvin Natt and Fat Lever after the Vandeweghe trade, that's the way the Nuggets played in the half court, and they ran endlessly. They After made baskets, made free throws, they ran. And nobody wanted to play that way, and nobody could figure out the passing game because nothing was predetermined in the passing game. And you had people at least handling the ball, and just as a matter of course, three or four passes being delivered on every possession. And when it didn't work, when maybe guys got a little selfish or a little greedy, Doug Moe would say, and it usually happened around the holidays every year, you know, fellas, we can always go back to running set plays. I can diagram set plays, you know. We do it out of timeouts all the time. If that's the way you want to play, I say, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> we yeah. like our freedom. Right, exactly. That's the trick, right? We, we like our freedom. We don't want to run set plays. And so... Marcus Smart's quote consists of a, ve- a very clear definition of the passing game, which Doug Moe implemented in San Antonio in the mid to late 1970s and ran here during the entire decade of the 1980s. And I, I, I'm sorry, I, this is not really a criticism of modern media, but it, 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 Jack McCallum, who's a terrific writer and chronicler of the NBA uh, historically wrote a book about 15 years ago about the Phoenix Suns entitled Seven Seconds or Less. Mm-hmm. Right. Mike D'Antoni was the book. coach. Mike D'Antoni once told me when he was the head coach of the Denver Nuggets, we're going to run Doug Moe's passing game. Mike D'Antoni knew where that offense came from, and he knew that he didn't invent it. But in that book, there's scarcely a reference to Doug Moe's passing game being exactly what the Phoenix Suns are running with Amari Stoudemire and Steve Nash, a two-time MVP during that period of time. And Doug Moe ran it here with people who weren't all-stars. He ran it with Rob Williams. He certainly ran it with Michael Adams. And Michael Adams was a wonderful practitioner of an offense like that because he could run and he was a three-point threat and he could he loved to push the pace. And believe it or not, Fat Lever, especially as a two-guard, liked to play that way. Alex English loved to play that way. Alex English was the leading scorer in the NBA during the decade of the 1980s. Correct. Not Dominique Wilkins. You know, it, it, not, it was Alex English. You want to win your bar bets, that's your stat, and by the way. That, leading that's leading point getter in the 1980s. Alex, Alex himself English. said many times he would not have been anywhere close to being the leading scorer in the NBA during the decade of the 1980s had he not played here in Denver, 
and played for Doug Moe and run the passing game. And, and the passing game produced early offense before a defense could get set. You can play half-court offense with pace. Running helps, but you can also play fast in the half-court if the ball is moving. And that's how the Boston Celtics play offense. And the Boston Celtics are probably, certainly of those teams remaining in the playoffs, the best pure offensive team going. There wasn't, there wasn't and isn't a single orchestrator with the Boston Celtics. Yes, there are leading scores. Tatum and Brown are to the Celtics what Vandaway and English were to the Nuggets during the 1980s in terms of scoring capacity. So now we understand where all that comes from and how it, it still functions in today's game. What are the Denver Nuggets running? Compared to that, and were we get to sort of Sandy's dream matchup of Boston and Denver in the championship, and we're getting way out of ourselves, but how, after all those years with the Nuggets running it, do you defeat it? We'll talk about that next on Mile High Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. All right, well, you know, sometimes you'll hear uh, Sandy refer to the professor of the course of his career. I would argue at this point, uh, the career, it's now Professor Emeritus. I mean, uh, bring it on, anybody. I mean, run of the show. But the specific description here about the way that works, and you're exactly right, is that, and, and, and that's not a surprise. Everything in sports is cyclical. We've seen it. We see it in the NFL all the time. Look, uh, to a certain extent, with all the the the, uh, the spread offenses that have proliferated in the NFL, now what are we starting That's to the see? Equivalent. We're starting to see teams in the NFL start to tighten it up a little bit, control the clock. As you're starting to see this year, a little more ground game coming back. Yeah, everything's cyclical, yeah. right? And, and not a surprise that it's that way in in the NBA as well. But when you look at the Nuggets' offense now. You have a, a one-in-a-million player in Nikola Jokic running. He's almost like a one-man uh, motion offense himself. I, I, exactly. But and, if you were to with Jokic, you can a, run any kind yeah, of offense. Anything you want. With Jokic at the hub, uh, it's going to be worse. But if you were to describe the uh, difference yeah. between the, the, what you saw with, with Doug Moe that we're now seeing with Boston and what you see with Denver with Jokic at the helm, is it vastly different or is it different only because you have Jokic, a singular player in the middle of it. I, I think when I, when I see what Jokic and Murray do together now, that they played together for so long, um, you know, I, I, I see elements of it. It, it isn't the pure uh, passing game. Uh, there There is a little more structure to it. But Jokic is the greatest freelance setter who ever played. You know, and he, I mean, he that's, has developed that's, I mean, that's where we're at an point. acute sense of when he needs to be a playmaker and when he needs to be a scorer. We saw that in game two when he decided he needed to take 30 shots if the Nuggets were going to win that game. It, it is kind of fascinating to see how all of this comes together because now you're looking at a 
a Nuggets team that that is all distilled and it is all working and there's, there's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. How, what are the advantages of Jokic running this as opposed to what you've seen it where it, where it, because the idea by the, we talked about Boston, there is no central leader in, in assists. Right. Marcus Smart was 25th in the league in assists. Yeah. Now, that's he's their lead assist. Not the case with Nikola Jokic, who is among the, the very right. uh, league's well, top leaders in assists. So, how does that change? Uniform, you know, it, it, there, there just isn't anybody at any position like Jokic. I, I recall earlier this year, and we talked about it on the air, uh, Mark Jackson of ESPN and ABC uh, saying at one point, he had finally given up on the idea that Bill Walton was the greatest passing big man of all time. He's now seen Jokic, and he can't, in good conscience, make that argument anymore. And even Walton himself says Jokic is the greatest passing big man of all time. Good enough so for me, then. He, <laughs> that solves that. He makes that statement. Then the next game, he's working with Jeff Van Gundy as a tandem, and he makes the same point again. And... Van Gundy doesn't miss a beat. He's greatest passing big man. Hell, he's the greatest passer of all time at any position. <laughs> I mean, at any position. It, it's pretty remarkable what what you've seen here. I mean, it, and I mean, really who, who averages a try? I know he didn't quite make it to ten. He could have had they year. wanted. Had but, they wanted, you know, what they wanted. He could have been Oscar Robertson circa 1962, sure. 63, whatever the year was, 61, 62, whatever the year was during which Oscar averaged. A triple double, but Oscar Robertson was also the same player, all time great as he was, who told Jerry Lucas, his teammate at one point, if you want the ball, get it off the backboard. Right. If you want the ball more, when Lucas complained that he wasn't getting the ball enough, Oscar Robertson was the ultimate ball control guard. Yes, he had a lot of assists, but a lot of assists because he had the ball all the time. Nikola Jokic doesn't have the ball nearly as much as Oscar Robertson. Well, he certainly has it plenty, but you're right. N- nobody in the history of the game had the ball as much as Oscar did yes. in his prime. Now, eh, Oscar later tried. in his career got traded to Milwaukee, played with Kareem, won his title in 1971, and he was setting up Kareem and getting Kareem motivated That when Kareem sometimes slacked off. Um, but I... I think with, with Jokic, it really doesn't matter what you run. But haven't you noticed this year all of the Nuggets becoming more unselfish around Jokic? Murray, as unselfish as he's ever been. Porter, even. Mm-hmm. Yes. Less of a selfish player. Yes. And, and, and that's Gordon the- has figured out how to work oh, with yeah. Jokic. So that's another two-man group that has come to involve one guy reading off the other and knowing where to be for the other. And mostly it's Jokic and Gordon figuring out, wait, well, the best way I can establish rapport with Jokic is to play less around the three-point line and more around the basket and cut. And if I cut and I have the slightest advantage, he'll get me the ball exactly where I need it. And now you see other guys 
doing that, a Bruce Brown, a Caldwell Pope. Christian Brown can do it because it's not accurate to say Kansas played the passing game, but Kansas, as, as we saw last year, not this year, but last year in the national championship game, they got everybody involved. Right. You know, everybody well, I, was I, I think involved. to a certain point, I'm, I'm not discounting the Nuggets at all. But this is the same kind of thing that, that you get when you have, uh, I always liken it to baseball when you have sort of the armchair fans and you're watching it and they get frustrated when a guy doesn't run hard down to first. Yeah. And the argument is like, well, I can run hard for 60 feet. And you know what? You're right. And, and I think that's where this offense tends to work and where it becomes when, when Jokic is dealing. Why you see Michael Porter Jr., why you see players jump on is because you know what? You're, there's no excuse. There's no excuse. All you have your to do best player is, move. is your most unselfish player, and he's the more likely to find you when you move. All you have to do moving is keep without the ball. Moving. What a concept. Why does the passing game work? Because it requires that everybody move. But if everybody when they does, don't have the ball, you will be rewarded because you have a guy that can thread the needle. From literally half court with regularity, we've watched him throwing passes more accurate than we've seen from the Broncos over the last five yes. years from, from full court. He's been the best passer in the city for nine years. It'd be a little hard to bat his stuff down, too, by the way. But anyway, uh, the idea behind it is, is, yeah, it's almost as if early offense, motion game, whatever you want to call it. Jokic gives you a tremendous advantage because it's distilled into one man. And if, and if because other guys are moving, someone has to give him space or single coverage all the way out to three point, he will do it himself. And Jokic now has become more adept at putting the ball on the floor. His post-up game has become almost as refined as anyone else's in the league, mm-hmm. if not as good as anyone That's else right. in the league. Right. It's not just the little Sambor shuffle that our friend Chris Marlowe has has coined. He has baby hooks. He has a full hook. He has uh, not quite a dream shake that Hakeem did, but somewhat similar, that that inverse spin across the baseline. Akeem he can do it best. all. Akeem so you and, leave and Jokic Kevin McHale and the two he'll greatest post players. And Jokic is not far He's behind He's not that far one. behind. His game continues to evolve. Basically, it, it gives the Nuggets all of the advantage of the motion game, but all into one person. And well, now everybody it, else becomes yeah, there. I suppose. Yeah. And you it, put, the, the greatest low post weapon all time is the Kareem Skyhook. Yes, because it's entirely Not, not it's, Wilt's finger it's roll. It's unblockable. Not Bill Russell's fouling, hook period, shot. Because it's it released was at shot. nine and a half feet off the ground. It was Kareem's hook shot. <laughs> it's the greatest low post it. weapon of all time. Kareem didn't need 5,000 moves because he had the Skyhook. And yeah. no one totally could duplicate. Uh, Kareem Skyhook, uh, you know, hook shots, yes, were part of the game in the 60s and even the 70s. But Jokic uh, has an array really of them. much a part of it today, but Jokic has the full array of maneuvers in the low post, including the hooks. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm excited today because Kansas signed Hunter Dickinson. I, I didn't you are. sign him. I mean, he, uh, he, committed. he transferred. He committed to Kansas. Right, right. Okay. Um, 7-1, 2-60. And he's not Jokic, obviously, but he has a slightly similar skill set, just on a much lower level plane than Jokic. All right. Jokic is up here above the microphone for those watching. And Hunter Dickinson is down here, but with with the same similar uh, set of skills. And now you're hearing once again, 
uh, uh, all that's old is new again. You're hearing more talk about bigs nowadays. Well, can he go over his left shoulder? Yes. Well, can he go over his right shoulder? Right. Got to no. be able to go to either side. No. And with Dickinson, who's a lefty, now he can go over his left shoulder with the right hand, and he has those little hooks and uh, up and under uh, maneuvers, even though he's seven one and, and 260. He just doesn't bulldoze his way, as Kevin Harlan would say, toward mm-hmm. the basket. He has all these other moves, and he's great fun to watch. And Bill Self has to be salivating because he's been waiting – not that he didn't have a couple of good bigs in the last seven or eight years, but he's been waiting for this kind of player on offense who can do everything, including in building his game over the last three years since he was a freshman, going out to the three-point line, being a triple threat when he's facing the basket, being able to drive, being able to pass, being able to stand still shoot. And so you've got increasingly, I think, big men looking at Jokic as the ultimate model Mm -hmm. and saying, okay, Jokic can shoot the three and he's seven feet. I can shoot the three. He is. He's now kind of the model for today's big man. Keep in mind, by the way, Nicole, he is again. I like reminding everybody. He is. He's 28. <laughs> he's not He's not even close to done unless he wants to be just remarkable. It'll give right the Nuggets a the tremendous an opportunity as they can get to take a 3-0 lead. We'll obviously focus on that tomorrow. We will have Coach George Carl joining us tomorrow to break down the Nuggets game three. Thanks to Nate Lundy, the uh, president of Mile High Sports, and, of course, our uh, betting expert extraordinaire for dropping in. If you missed any part of the show, you can always go to milehighsports.com or the free Mile High Sports app, which might as well, hey, you know what? You don't even have to tune in on your radio or anything. Crystal clear whenever you want it. Thanks to Danny Bailey in the booth making everything work. Thanks to Nigel Kangethe stepping in here and helping with the video aspect of it. That's right. We're on video. Find that on the app or MileHighSports.com as well. We'll be back tomorrow. We're working to hand things off to our friends, Neil Apiro, one year older, by the way, today, and Cody Rourke for Afternoon Drive. For Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar. We'll catch you next time, but you stay right here on Mile High Sports. But I've been such a fool